I like the smooth nut look. I think yeah. it's super clean on a custom rifle, especially a hunting rifle. And uh, yeah, definitely like it. You like smooth nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Shoot to Hunt podcast. I'm Ryan Avery. And always, I have Jake Machaney. It's not Moo Shaney. It's Machaney. Nice. I had to get that from his son. Moo. Moo. <laughs> Today on the show, we're talking all things muzzle brakes. We have Salmon River Solutions. We have Zach and Ken. Can you guys introduce yourselves as far as where you got started in machining, how you guys came to be as Salmon River Solutions, and what you guys are doing today? Yeah, so this is Ken here. Um, pretty much we got started uh, in machining together, uh, what, at Keytronics? That was, would have been eight years ago now. About, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, worked together a few places. Knew we wanted to do a owner-owned business at some point, and we just kind of stumbled into it when uh, my dad was retiring and selling all his equipment. Got a mill from him, moved it into Zach's shop, and I met Brian Avery, and he wanted to do some titanium brakes, so we came up with the design, and that's now the Pro Brakes, so yeah. Zach, you got anything to add to that? No, that's about it from a objective perspective. Uh, yeah, I met Ken and bought a mill, and three years later, here we are. Were you, were you making, when I first started talking, you came to Rockslide, started advertising with Rockslide. When I came to you, you guys were already making a break, correct? Uh, yeah, we had a simple five port, uh, not the best functioning break. But, but was uh, it, it was a TI or was it steel? It was, it was titanium. Titanium. So when I came to you, it, well, you guys have already been down the path of making them. So it wasn't a big jump, but what you did was you took a existing product that we, we had and you guys made it better. Can you kind of go into what, not the specifics, your proprietary stuff, but what you did in your thought process to make a better TI break? Uh, yeah, I mean, just looking out there and looking at what what was the most popular, what was the best, what worked the best, what people like to run on on their guns, and then focusing on the goal of making an effective break that's also the the lightest weight break on the market. And uh, yeah, what we came up with was the pro design, and it works incredibly well. All right. Well, Jake, I think we should probably jump into the five things you should know about ordering a break. It's a question that we get every day. It's, I don't know why it's so confusing, but I think we can simplify it. So I think we really should start off with what a muzzle break is in the first place. There's a lot of guys out there that are still rocking a straight barrel uh, with no break on it, no suppressor, nothing on the end, not even muzzle threads. I mean, we're doing, we do a lot of muzzle threading here at Unknown. We have, uh, we actually just added another gunsmith and another lathe just to handle all the muzzle threads that, that we're doing at the moment. Um, so if you guys don't see any type of threads or a cap on the end of your barrel, it will not be possible to add a break. They'll have to uh, dial that barrel into a lathe and actually put threads on the end of the barrel that something can be screwed onto. So that's kind of the start of it. So if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, wow, I, uh, I don't even know what a break is or can I even put a break on my rifle? That's kind of where you start if you want to. First, a muzzle break reduces recoil. 
pretty straightforward, I think. If you want the rifle to kick you less in the ass, then put a muzzle brake on it. It is like, uh, try to describe it as inverted jet propulsion of some kind. When the rifle wants to come straight back at you, you are redirecting muzzle gas in the opposite direction to kind of reversed reverse propulsion, you know, against the the path of the of the rifle. So when you pull the trigger, the bullet starts traveling down the barrel. Once it leaves the muzzle, there's all the gas that's behind it that's pushing it forward, and that gas is redirected through an angled port. Basically, the gas is coming straight back at you. So while the bullet and the the bullet is pushing the rifle in the opposite direction, that gas is pushing the rifle back forward to reduce the recoil. So that's the kind of the high-level overview of what a brake is. Um, there are several different types of brakes. Once you get into the higher-end production rifles, you'll have something, and I guess I mean if there's a brake on the end of your production rifle, it kind of starts off being a radial brake. A radial brake is, is very easy to identify because it has holes or ports of some kind around the complete circumference of the brake that's on the end of your barrel. Most of the time, these ports are not angled in any way, meaning they, they come straight out in a 90-degree angle from the side of the rifle. They're oriented in some pattern that may make them look good visibly, but it is the worst brake for what a brake is actually supposed to be. For controlling recoil, a radial brake, you got ports coming out the bottom. If you're shooting prone, it's spraying dirt all over the place. It may reduce recoil a little bit, but it's nothing like what you can get with a quality angle-ported brake, you know, the amount of recoil control you can get out of it. So if you have that radial brake like on the on the Christensen Mesa and Ridgeline uh, before they just introduced the FFT, I believe all the FFTs now have side port brakes. Uh, that would be the second type of muzzle brake that's out there. So the radial brake has holes all the way around it, very, you know, horrible recoil control. Then you move into a side port muzzle brake where you would have ports on just the left and the right of the brake. Now, one defining characteristic of a side port brake is that it has to be timed. So we'll get into, you know, timing and self-timing and, and non-self-timing and so on. But so radial brake, side port brake, uh, and then the angles of the ports. These are all the different types of brakes that are kind of out there. Yeah. When you when you watch the uh, videos online, the comparisons, they always, I, we talked about this in the, the Rifle Deconstructed podcast before, is you always see the, they'll throw one angled against four or five straight ports. Just drives me fucking crazy. Yeah, you got to be apples to apples. Or it's a three port versus a five port and so mm -hmm. on. I mean, the effectiveness of the break is basically volume of the ports. It doesn't matter whether it's a three port or a five port. If those ports are tiny, you know, it's, it's basically the overall volume of the port and the amount of gas that it can move through the port. That's the most important thing. A two-port a two brake can be as effective as a five-port brake if the brake volume, if the port volume is higher. Yep. Is the, are the radio brakes on your guys' side, are they just simple to make and they don't have to time? Is that their, that the, how they became popular? Yeah, it's just, it doesn't have to be time. You just... That's make, probably the biggest. And yeah, it's fucking just, easy to drill holes in the side of something. Yeah, yeah it's super simple. Just load it into a fourth axis, drill a bunch of holes in it. Doesn't have to be timed. You just thread it till it bottoms out, and it's good. Yeah, I mean, you could just take a round piece of stock, you know, and drill the hole down the middle, and drill all mm -hmm. the side holes in whatever pattern, and it's done. Very easy to manufacture. <clears throat> yeah, because yeah, you see them on Weatherby's, Brownings, Savage. You see them on pretty much every factory rifle comes with a, a radial, or I call them Vias because they were the, what made them popular is the Vias muzzle brake. But as soon as you start shooting them, A, they're super loud for being ineffective, and they do throw shit all over you. 
We have guys walking in the door all the time. So if you buy if you buy a pro muzzle brake here at the shop, we will install it for you for free. So guys are coming all the time, and then they come back in for a, bringing in another rifle to get a different brake installed because they just can't believe how much easier it is to shoot. You'll install it for free. You don't thread for free. Oh, yeah, we don't thread muzzles for free. That's for sure. Thread yeah. muzzles, it's 135 bucks to thread a muzzle. And then if you buy the brake from us, we put it on for you. No problem. So you do all the timing and everything for free. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. you get to come in and work with one of the gunsmiths and have them throw it on there for you. Uh, we can actually Cerakote for you. You can bring your rifle in in the day. It takes a couple hours to Cerakote in the oven. So we can match the color of your rifle, get it thrown on there for you. Um, it's 10 bucks more for Cerakote, basically. Yeah. All so right. Five things to know about ordering a brake. If, if you're just getting into the muzzle brake game, completely bypass the radial brake. That would be the first piece of advice, I would say. If, you, if you're after recoil control, bypass radial brake, get a side port brake. And then if you don't want to work with a gunsmith to get it installed, that's where the self-timing version comes in. So these are this is one of the points that you need to know in order to order a brake for yourself. One of them is, do I need a self-timing or a regular brake? And the difference is the regular or standard brake that has no nut on the back of it will need to be installed by a gunsmith because those side ports have to be level with the ground. Basically, if they're not level with the ground, then you have your angles, you know, your ports are at the wrong angles and you're going to cause twist in your rifle. Uh, that can also happen because of a bad gunsmith that didn't time it properly. Uh, the nice thing about the pro brake line is they have a nice flat surface on the top of the brake. So it's very easy to level. Uh, so if you order a self-timing brake, that means you can install it at home. So you would screw the brake onto the rifle. Maybe I should... Well, I'm not going to do it here. We're going to do a video, guys. Just so you know, after right after this, we're going to do a video on how to install a brake and then how to measure your rifle for a brake. So check out YouTube for those. Those will drop right about the same time as this podcast. So self-timing muzzle brake. You screw the brake onto the muzzle threads that your rifle would have, and then you back it off so that the ports are level with the ground, and then you use that nut to tighten it and hold it in that position. So if you want to put the brake on yourself, you need a self-timer. And I, I believe some muzzle brake manufacturers may refer to that with a different term. Have you seen any other terms other than just the term self-timing? Most of them just use self-timing. There's like an auto lock nut. Uh, some just say lock nut. Yeah. But generally there's a nut. Like if, as you look at the brake, you're going to see a nut of some kind. And that's what's your key indicator that it is a self-timer. If it doesn't have a nut, it would need to be timed. In other words, it needs to have material removed on the back end so that as you tighten the brake, it stops when the ports are level with the ground while being torqued at the same time. So that's the reason a, a gunsmith or a machinist needs to be involved. The other thing you need to know, so there's four more things you need to know to order a brake. You're going to need to know your thread pattern if you have threads. Now, if you bring a rifle in here to Unknown Munitions, we will install or we will... We will machine in the proper thread pattern for the brake. But if you already have threads on your rifle and you want to order your own self-timer brake, you're going to need to know what the thread pattern is. Now, how you measure that, hopefully, you know, you guys have a caliper around. If you're a rifle guy or if you're a, a loader of some type, you load your own ammunition, it's more than likely that you have some type of caliper uh, in your shop. So for those of you that are watching on YouTube here, uh, we use Metatoyo AOS Digimatic uh, calipers here in the shop, mostly because, you know, loading ammo. This is one of the most precise. You guys may have a little bit more precise tools than this. 
They use the same thing. Same thing, same okay. Thing. <laughs> you know, and a lot of machinists, we actually have a, a good friend of mine, Mr. Matt Whaley. I hope you listen to this at some point, Whaley. But Whaley hates calipers because there's two-inch flex. I mean, it's not, it's not a fine measuring tool, but it's definitely close enough. You guys can buy a $20 digital caliper on Amazon, and it will do this job that we're talking about. So you're going to take your caliper, and you're going to measure the threaded area, the OD, the outside diameter diameter of where the threads actually are. You're measuring the threads. And if you were to measure this rifle in front of us, it's 5H24 thread pattern, you're going to get 0.625 on the about OD. Ish. About yeah. ish. It can be 626. It can be 624. I mean, here we do, uh, what does he call it? We do class three threads here. So usually I think they're. That's tighter. Class tighter. two. Yeah. Class two is a little bit looser, but I think what 620 to 625 is about. Yeah. Okay. What you measure. In it, but around five eighths of an inch. So mm -hmm. anywhere like 620 to 625, if you divide five by eight with your calculator on your phone, because everybody's got one now, you're going to get 625. So you're trying to get, you're trying to figure out which fraction you're closest to. Now, if you, if you use a, is it Browning that has metric? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have a Browning rifle, it may be M13 threads. So your caliper is going to have the option to change from inches to, to millimeters. If you don't get a decimal number that seems to coincide with a fraction in the standard system, switch your caliper over to metric and you may find it's exactly 13 or exactly this or exactly that. It may become, you know, clear pretty quick. So... Measuring the outside, this rifle in front of us is 0.625. So we know that that's 5.8 threads. And there's really only one 5.8 thread pattern because there's a there's a diameter of a thread and then a is pitch the right thread, way to say it? Thread pitch, yeah. Correct. Thread pitch, which is basically threads per inch. <clears throat> mm -hmm. How many threads per inch? So if you see threads that are really close together, that's a high thread per inch. And then if the, they look really coarse and wide, that would be a low thread per inch. So 5.8 threads on a rifle is almost always 5.8-24. Have you guys ever seen anything different than that? That's 90% of the time the most common thread pitch on yeah. a muzzle. It's also the most common, I think, that gun builders use. So any any custom rifle builder, for the most part, if it's an option, in other words, if the barrel is large enough, it's going to be 5.8-24 threads. There's some old school guys that may be addicted to 9.16s or something. So this is why you want to measure. Yeah. You may find something weird. So if you do... You come up with your number. I don't know what 9 divided by 16 is, but you divide those two numbers together if you're getting a weird decimal number, and, and you'll figure it out pretty quick. 0.5625. Yeah. Wow. That's why you have machinists in the room. <laughs> Real quick on the muzzle OD. What is the smallest muzzle OD you can put a 5824 on? Ooh. I usually say about 700. 700,000. Okay, that's the question I get every week. You need a you need a shoulder for the back of the brake to shoulder against. Anything past that, and you might be mashing material on your barrel or the brake. So mm -hmm. The way you figure that out, guys, if you measure your muzzle OD and you get 0 0.650, we just described what 0 0.625 is. That's the outer diameter of the thread. So if you subtract 0 0.625 from 0 0.650, that leaves 25 thousandths. That's like three beard hairs. And that's the amount of material that's left for that brake to stop when you're threading it onto the rifle. So that's the question that does it does get asked quite a bit. In fact, we have guys that'll come in here that want a five eights, and it's literally six hundred. Like the barrel's six hundred. You can't even put five eights <laughs> threads on a six hundred barrel. Yep. It's not possible. Or they ask you why the tiny doesn't have five eights twenty four threads. Yeah. Yeah. So if you get a really we we have a brake that uh well it's the Pro One now, but we have a brake no it's a Pro Four six eighty. 680. 680, 680 OD. Um, if you have a 680 OD brake 
then it's probably not going to be 5 eighths 24 because, again, there's no meat left. If it's 0. 0.680 minus 0.625, thousands are small. Basically, I, well, I know my beard hair is eight thousandths because I measured it. That's why I always use beard hair to, Damn, those to are make comparisons. Normal yeah. hair is 3,000. That's right. That's a serious beard. <laughs> it's like Superman. You can <laughs> hang weights off it. All right. So that was how to figure out your thread pattern on your rifle. And again, we're going to do a YouTube video live, Ken and I, uh, showing you exactly how to measure that with the tool. So if this is something you're trying to get done, then go ahead and follow up with that video. So muzzle, o okay, so that was thread pattern. Now we're moving to muzzle OD. You're going to measure your muzzle OD directly next to the threads. So shoulder. The shoulder. Wherever the brake is going to meet that hard surface as you're screwing it on, that would be the outer diameter of your muzzle or the end of your barrel. Basically, the muzzle is the end of your barrel. Muzzle diameter. Muzzle diameter, yeah. So on this barrel in front of us, uh, let's just take a measurement real quick. 830. So this would be a Sendero contour from carbon six and they're an 830 muzzle diameter. And you can get most of that information. Sometimes you could just jump on a, a barrel supplier's website and look at their contour and you could probably get this number if you don't have the barrel already, if you're, if you're, you know, you don't have the rifle built yet. So an 830 OD on the muzzle means you don't want a break that has a smaller diameter than your barrel. Cause it's going to look like shit. You don't want a little guy like this. This might be, yeah, that's half. But you don't want this little break on that big fat carbon barrel. It's not going to look good. And I've had guys call. There's a guy that just called that said, my barrel is 830. Is the 860 going to look okay? I'm like, dude, it's only, it's yeah. only 30 thou. 15 thou. 15 aside. Yeah, even, having, even not being tapered, it's going to look. Yeah. I mean, the break, we have a 990 break on this 830 barrel, and it still looks great. Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're looking at an 860 OD break and your barrel's 830, don't worry about the 30 thou. It's still going to look great. Still going to look great. Uh, but you don't want it to be smaller, and this is the reason why you need to know your muzzle OD. So we got guys email all the time. What break do you recommend? I have a Browning Hell's Canyon long range. I don't, you got to go on and look at Browning. You know, we're not going to go look at your rifle spec for you, figure out your thread pattern. Your your barrel may be different. I'm sure that Browning has changed their thread. In fact, what is it, M13.75 and then M13.125? Yeah. And they actually changed in the middle of a fucking year. There you go. So you got to do your own homework. Yeah, you want to measure your rifle to make sure you get your right break. Of course, if you order a break from us, you can return it no problem. There's no questions asked. Return it, get a different one. Even if you don't like it, it doesn't matter. But measure your rifle. Get these five things together that we're talking about, and it's going to make your life a lot easier when it's time to... Time to order your break. So that was muzzle OD, thread pattern, and self-timing or regular. For, also, for those two, so if you don't have the tools to measure that, you can call your manufacturer, yeah. and they can look up and, uh, by your serial number, tell you exactly what your threads are and what your barrel diameter is. Okay, so you could call Browning with your rifle serial number and, and more than likely get that information that you need. Yep. You, you can call Savage, and they'll get back to you in six to nine months. <laughs> <laughs> we will tell you if you have a Christensen, or a, like a proof research built rifle, these are going to be 5.8 24 threads. Christensen Ridgeline, Christensen Mesa, 5.8 24 threads. You're going to need to know your caliber. And when I say caliber, caliber is not 300 Win Mag. Caliber would be 300 Win Mag is a 308 caliber. So that's the diameter of your bullet. If you put a 6.5 millimeter break on a 30 cal rifle, 
you're going to have some problems. That literally means that that bullet is going to strike the inside of the muzzle brake and cause some damage. So this is very important from a safety perspective. This is even something you should check before installing a brake. I mean, even if the package is labeled properly, this is something if you're putting a brake on your rifle, take the time, that same caliper that you just bought, the opposite end of it measures the ID of something. So you, you, you stick those two parts into the end of the brake there and start opening it up and take a measurement on what that is. And if you see, if you see 0.264 and you're running a 300 wind mag, you better stop because you're going to hurt something. You're going to break something. Yeah. Yeah. So caliber, 300 wind mag will be a 30 cal. Uh, 6.5 PRC would be a 6.5 millimeter and so on. Uh, there are some calibers. Basically, you need to make sure that the hole in the brake is bigger than the caliber of your bullet. So if you have a 6.5, you can put a 30 cal muzzle brake on it, no problem. If you want to swap a muzzle brake from rifle to rifle to rifle, get the largest caliber possible, and then you can use it across all of your rifles. Of course, you're not going to get the right amount of recoil control. If you have a big hole down the center, it's not going to allow as much gas to get redirected. But it will still work great, and you'll be able to swap it from rifle to rifle. Yeah, another another safe, good safety check to do. Uh, I know this is a 338 Turex C. Yeah, uh, there's a 338 brake. So bullet. Yeah, so Ken's just taking a little bit of clearance. One of the pro brakes here, and he's got a loaded round, and he's basically trying to stick the bullet on the loaded round into the in the into the end of the brake, and that's fantastic. Because yep. so even if you don't have a caliper, that's a safety check you could do. You got a bare bullet, you could just drop it down the center of your brake and make sure that it's not going to have any type of impact. Yeah, so don't do that. Yeah, yeah, so if you're looking on the YouTube there, you can see that we're trying to put a 338 in that baby brake. That's not gonna. Work. That's gonna be bad. Yeah, and the clearance is normally 10 to 15 thou aside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we bore over four, so it's actually close. a good point. Was it? Did you guys do some testing, or somebody did some testing recently, talking about the gap, <clears throat> like the additional room that's left above the bullet caliber and how effective the brake is? Yeah, Zach went to a Ultimate Reloader. If you want to talk about that. Yeah, we did a test for. Uh, basically muzzle brake uh, bore clearance. So how much extra diameter we bore our brakes to based on the caliber of bullet being shot through. And um, we had some interesting um, tests and we found that between 20 and 30 thou clearance over your bullet diameter was the most effective for mm. said caliber. That was basically our, our findings. We did a no brake test, a 10 thou oversized, maybe 15 or 20 rather, then a 30, a 50, and then 100 and 200 thou overbore just to see um, some good analytics and data on the most effective bore clearance. And 20 to 30 thou was the most effective we found. Hmm. Is there a video or something somebody could watch on this? Yeah, there's a video on Ultimate Reloader. Okay. Um, but even, even at 100 thou, it was surprising how effective it was. Even Luke, with Luke can you pull clearance. that video up there on the screen? Oh, we can see the name of it. We tell them what to search for. What was the uh, tightest clearance? I want to say it was 15 or 20. No, 10 or 15. Then we did 20, 30, 50, 100, and 200. And when you say 30, is that overall for diameter, or that's each side like a radius? It'd be overall. So, so oh, oh, okay. Divided so by two, and that's the clearance per side. Around the bullet. So what, what 30 thou? Was, yeah, what would you say is the, what was the most effective? 20 to 30 total. So huh, 10 okay. to 15 per side was the most effective. But it was kind of, you know marginal after that we did 50 and it was still way more effective than no muscle break and even 100 was much better than you know no break at all yeah like overall felt recoil i think between the 30 30 thou total clearance and 100 thou total clearance it was only 
5% less recoil reduction. Was there multiple cartridges tested or just one? We just tested one for this instance. We had a... So Ultimate Reloader has a bullet clearance versus brake recoil video page on his website. Yeah, we put a brake on and bored it very minimally, shot it, and then tested the overall recoil with a pressure plate to get the actual data from said recoil. Oh, Zach, looking good up there. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, we're going to throw up a little screenshot of Ultimate Reloader's video, but check it flannel out. flannel, too. Yeah. <laughs> he Who's does it? like his fight. Look at that. That's the green one. It's either green or red. Dude, well, I got 12. Dude, it's St. Patty's Day. You <laughs> should have wore the green today. I know. I messed yeah, it up. Yeah, the green would have been better. Uh, was that 6.5 Creedmoor? What was the test? Yeah, I believe so. All right. So the fifth thing you need to know for your muzzle brake would be the material that you're after. And to be honest, the material really is only affecting the weight of the brake and the overall weight of the rifle. I would say that and, and I could be wrong here, that the difference overall of the brake's effect on the rifle really doesn't matter whether it's steel or titanium. You know, the, the material itself is not is not changing the effectiveness of the brake. It's only about weight. So if you got a super light hunting build and you want to keep it light, uh, one of our most popular selling brakes is the Pro 5 ST. That's the five-port version and usually in a 990 diameter. Uh, it weighs 2.3 ounces. I mean, the amount of recoil control you get for 2.3 ounces is insane. That's why I always say it's the most recoil control per ounce on the planet. It really is. Yeah, I'd say I'd, I'd couple material with, uh, like, the goal for the rifle. They want an ultralight rifle. Mm -hmm. uh, say you run an 18-inch barrel on a lightweight build. I'm not going to say usually put a, a break that's, you know, three inches on there. I'm going to say, well, that might be a, you know, you want a, a Pro 2 on there because you want a little bit shorter break but still have good recoil reduction. Yeah, Pro 2 is going to be the two port. And that kind of brings us into, well, we really wanted to educate you guys on muzzle brakes and how to order a brake and how to do all that measuring and everything. But we have added a couple brakes to our lineup recently, to the Pro Brake lineup, and we'd like to kind of lay that out and, and explain the differences. So we have, we basically changed all the numbers on the brakes to align with the amount of ports on the brake. In other words, what used to be a Pro 3ST with five ports is now a Pro 5. And we have SS Pro and TI Pro. TI is titanium, SS is stainless steel. Every brake that we make is available on either stainless or titanium. So you don't have to really wonder about that. Everything is going to be identical. All the ODs, all the available options are going to be available in both materials. We're adding a one port and a three port which and a six port which lines out the whole line to have Pro 1 through Pro 6. The number after the word Pro will correspond with the amount of ports on the side of the brake. If you guys are watching on YouTube, we have a, Ken's holding up there, it's a single port Pro 1 brake. I know you guys are gonna be asking yourself is how effective is a single port really? Is that what I want? Do I, How many ports do I want? And part of this is going to correspond to, you know, your idea for the your, your your overall length of your rifle. And it really depends on your cartridge. You know, if I'm shooting a 33XC, I'm not putting a freaking single port brake on there. I'm going to put the most ports possible because that is a lot of gun. That is a lot of cartridge. That's a lot of bullet moving fast. And you want to you want to match the amount of brake with the bullet and velocity that you're shooting. So don't put a single port brake on a big cartridge. I would say that the two port brake 
The, the one port and the two port have a slightly different port design because of their length. We tried to make a, a larger volume port, really, and that's why we call it the Pro Plus port. The plus just meaning for extra volume. Uh, the ports are very similar in design, but that extra volume does make that single port and dual port very effective. I mean, the recoil control you can get out of a Pro 2 brake is actually, on a 6.5 PRC, it's a great match. Yeah, the uh, the... Your recoil reduction is going to be determined by your your bore exposure and the the angle of the uh, ports being pointed back. Um, what angle are the ports in the in the Pro and the Pro Plus ports? I gotta say, <laughs> uh, I, would, it's I a, wouldn't say. Yeah, okay, it's, uh, that's proprietary. Yeah, say it's between it's thirty good. and forty. It's good. Somewhere between thirty and forty, which is really on the highest end of angles when it comes to a break. You know, making it one of the most the highest recoil control out there. Yeah. Yeah, um, and especially uh, the pro, uh, the pro and the pro plus. So the pro, you can stack the uh, the ports closer together, so that lends itself to uh, making it lighter. Uh, the pro plus porting, uh, it's more of a V shape. It handles uh, more bore exposure uh, better and lends itself to a slightly longer break. So if you had a two port in the pro versus a two port pro plus. The Pro Plus is going to be slightly longer, mm. slightly heavier, but you're going to get more performance out of those two ports. I think the two ports look great on a rifle, especially if, you, if you're going along with today's craze of the sh kind of short barrel rifles all the way down to 16 inches now. So basically, 16 inches is the legal length of a barrel for a bolt rifle. So you can have a 16-inch carbon barrel with this two-port muzzle brake on the end, and, and it's, going to still, it's still going to shoot well, which is nice. So yeah, so we have Pro 1 through Pro 6. Uh, SS Pro and TI Pro are really going to be the designators between the materials. Uh, what type of stainless steel do you guys use and what type of titanium? Uh, so we run grade 5 titanium. Uh, its actual chemical name is uh, 6AL4V. I think somebody just tried to make a titanium break recently that was just, it was a, a lower grade material, wasn't it? Well, there's many grades Commercial, what's commercial too? Two, I think. I think yeah. there's five or eight grades of titanium. This is air, uh, the highest grade you can pretty much buy. Yeah, it's uh, the strongest for its weight and um, chemically makeup. It's uh, it does better with heat. Yeah. So most stable. Strongest. Yeah, it, it it's the only titanium you can make out of a or only titanium you should use to make a break out of. Okay. If you use uh, like grade two, uh, it looks. M mushy the surface finish you dull. can't get it nearly as well yeah dull Soft, is a good word gummy. yeah uh-huh i actually just learned you guys actually hand polish every break is that true we hand finish them it's a essentially scott bright scotch bright red okay. wheels that oh. we just hand finish them to kind of put a finish polish on them so they look nice and clean okay and then uh so the stainless uh we run 416 stainless steel 416 ss uh and that's a 28 to 30, 32 Rockwell uh, annealed. On the titanium burrs, I've seen it both ways. Why is it important you have to deburr that titanium? Uh, one, visually, if you don't de if you don't deburr them right, they look terrible. And uh, two, technically, if you have a burr hanging out, your bullet could hit hit that burr in a way, and it could you know kind of deflect Cause just break slightly. Yeah, mm. and then offset it to the other side, then strike the other side. So it's really good to, you know, yeah. put the time in and make sure they're... Aesthetics and safety. Yeah, yeah and then if you go and you don't deburr it and you go and Cerakote over the top of it, 
<laughs> and then you shoot it a few times, and all of a sudden you look at your your brake, and it looks like it's cracking. Oh man, yeah. I've seen that a few times. Yeah, uh, you know, if you're a gunsmith or a machinist that's listening, titan, you really don't want to go back in and overbore these or try and taper a titanium like the entire OD of the brake. You don't want to taper that down to match the OD of the barrel. It's just not gonna. You want to use steel in that situation. Yeah, on the titanium ones, we recommend you just a gunsmith would taper it to match your barrel. Starting yeah. at, you know, just behind the first port. Yeah. Some gunsmiths, I know they're really good. They'll go in there with a Dremel if they straight turn it and deburr it, polish it up nicely. That was the official machinist term. Straight turn. Straight, straight turn. turn. Yeah. If you're a yeah. straight turner, don't straight turn a titanium brake unless you really know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. Because we, I've seen one on a buddy's gun that wasn't done, didn't deburr it at all, straight turned it, coated it. And uh, I, I mean, the birds are probably talking nasty. about the same bear, the same break at this point. Yeah, yeah, we're talking, <laughs> yeah same yeah. guy. Have, besides weight, is there a reason TI versus steel? Is there any other reason to choose uh, one or the other? Not really. I mean, titanium's just slightly harder. So if you you know like hit it on a rock or something, the titanium's gonna take less of a hit. But really, there's no reason besides weight. They're and they're gonna cost. function the same. Yeah, and cost. Good point. Yeah, stainless. So across the pro brake line, stainless is basically exactly 25% of its titanium twin. So if you're looking at saving a little bit of money, uh, it's still going to be the same effective performance, a little bit heavier, but you're going to save 25% on the retail price. Like high volume shooting, have you seen any t decay in the baffles with a TI? We brought this up. This was an interesting conversation. I'll just, I'll, I think that without a strike inside of a break mm -hmm. over time. I mean, there are heat cycles on the end of a barrel, but really the end of the barrel is the least affected by heat than any other part of the barrel. The heat has to travel all the way from the chamber to the end of the break. And yeah, the hot gases are following it. I get it. It's, it is going to get hot and there is some type of heat cycling, but I would wonder what the failure point with a heat cycle test would be on titanium or even, or even well, 416 stainless. If you, if you look at on the suppressor side, they won't, the very few titanium cans are full auto rated because of the heat. Obviously, you're not going to get to that level with a bullet gun. I mean, you'd have to exactly. work it like a madman. But they do have degradation to where the actual port will break off with high. Like, I'm talking high thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. Yeah. So, There's basically no question. breathing. The suppressor doesn't breathe in any way. You know, basically, it's holding on to the heat the whole time. And that's why you get that, that radiant heat coming off the top of it once you start shooting. But what do you call it? Mirage. Mm-hmm. All anyway, right. okay. So moving on, uh, we got some other notes here to cover. If you need a custom brake option, whether this be you want a muzzleloader fifty cal brake, you want you know, in other words, you want the same brake but you want it bored out to fifty. You want a custom thread pattern, something like this. You know, email us. We could definitely take care of custom options for the most part. If it's physically doable, we can do it. Is yeah, that right? Like. like Different ODs is can't really do that. Okay. Uh, just because our you know our tooling's based off of all these specific diameters, so we can't remake toolings to make one break. But okay. definitely custom bore options. We can do custom thread options with like minimum order quantities. But yeah, okay. custom bore option we we definitely do that pretty often. So for you uh, gun builders listening out there, we do uh, we actually work with quite a few gun builders already, but we have dealer sales and builder sales available. Basically, it's 20 points off across the board, but 
you know, reach out to us. There's a, a whole line of products that, that are available to you as a builder or a dealer. Um, we will be carrying every break will basically be in stock. So you guys can order these per rifle uh, with a code through the website. It's kind of, you know, let's say self-driven. You don't have to email. You don't have the phone call, that good stuff. You order a break, you put your code in, and, and it shows up for your next build. So that kind of covers. So now we have timing nut options. There is a – there are some tapered nut options for certain breaks, but generally all the STs come with a smooth nut. We also have a – what are you going to call it? A hex nut? Yeah, hex hex nut. Yeah, there's a hex nut option. So if you, you know, if you happen to want a hex nut, I think you can put that in the cart notes when checking out. Yeah. And we can put a hex nut on there for you. Is that correct? For cer- certain ones. Cer- yeah, we don't have diameters. hex nuts for every break, but, you know, if it's an option, we can do that for you. That's not an upcharge. Yeah, and if it's not an active option, you can email, ask. Yep. I think it's state law. You got to have a hex nut on a PRS rifle. (laughs) (laughs) Which state law is that? I think all of them because that's the number one question I get. Why don't you guys have a hex nut? I think when they look at the break, they they think that there's no way to tighten it in any way. And and like I said, we're going to do a, we're going to follow this up with a YouTube install video to show you that it is very easy and very possible to have that nice. I like the smooth nut look. I think it's super clean on a custom rifle, especially a hunting rifle. And, uh, yeah, definitely like it. You like smooth nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. And, yes. uh, and the ST is so freaking clean from Salmon River that uh, you, I get the call all the time and said, you sent me the wrong break. Oh, yeah, because the transition's yep. almost not there. It's almost not there. And I was like, did you try to twist it? And they're like, oh, okay, my mistake. Yeah. But that leads me to another question I get a lot is each step down. So you're talking, let's go the, the new Pro, the Pro 5. Can you turn them? You turn them down to nine hundred, correct? Pro five can be turned down to nine hundred. From nine ninety to five, to nine hundred, does it not change? In a, not in a self timer. Not in a self timer. Sta- we're talking standard breaks. Standard yeah. breaks. Does it matter still? Does that change with steel or TI? No. And then your the next one down would be the the Pro four. You can turn those down to eight hundred. Uh, Pro four. Uh, if it's the eight sixty okay. diameter, you can turn that down to eight hundred. Oh, correct. Yeah, I forgot. Now we have a couple different size ODs in there. And then going on down to the one, you can go down to 700 from 760-ish. Yeah. So I just get this lot. And you cannot turn down the, on the Pro 4, what is it, 660 diameter? You cannot turn that down. 680. 680. Yeah, you can't really turn turn that that down. down. So if I'm understanding correctly here, what you guys are trying to say is that in any given brake diameter, you can remove approximately 60 thou total off the OD. Yeah, and we're talking straight, straight turning. turning. So if you're going to straight turn a break out there, 60 thou max. Yeah, and you're you're essentially taking off the flats at that at that point. You're okay. just taking off Removing the flats. Removing your wrench flats yeah. to tighten it. I'm going to put that in the product description. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. And this just I keep – so if you take – let's take the Pro, the Pro 5 and you're going to turn it down to – I don't know why they do this, but this seems to come up. You, you turn it – straight turn it down to 900 thousandths. Can you taper it down the end to 880? Mm. You can, yeah. Okay. Uh, tapering it down also depends on your thread, yeah, thread diameter. Thread. So if if you mm. took a Pro 5 990 diameter, you could straight turn it to 900 thou. And then you could, if you had a 5824 thread, you could taper it to 750. Mm. If it was 3 quarter 24, no. you're, you're cutting into the threads at that point and the brakes are going to fall off. Mm. 
And if you're out there and if you have any question like this, guy, we have access to the direct source of information. So if you're confused or concerned in any way, shape, or form, shoot an email and we'll get the answer for you. I see you have on here, Ken. You have uh, you're talking about bore thread OD alignment. It really that comes down to the quality of the brake. Can you go into a little bit about your manufacturing process and maybe maybe what might set this brake line apart from other inferior <clears throat> machinists? I mean, give us the machinist perspective on why this brake is what it is. Uh, I mean, I think we've been called out for a little bit of excessive runout, like uh, that muzzle brakes more video. Um, which I mean, you have certain tolerancing that you run. But since then, we've started doing, we've started one-opping our uh, parts on the lathe. So essentially, we have almost zero runout between your bore that your bullet's going to run down, uh, your barrel threads, timing nut threads, and the outer diameter of the uh, brake. The brake, which it, technical term concentricity. So basically you're saying that every op on the brake itself, it never really comes out of a machine. It's all done at the same time so that it has to be perfect per se. Yeah. Zach, if you want to touch on that. Oh. Yeah. Um, in short, basically all the operations done on the brake for the OD threads and bore, like Ken said, are done in operations. There's no transferring or variables introduced to the brake. And so the concentricity between the thread, the OD, and the bore should be fairly concentric, which is just the roundness between all those diameters relative to each other. Um, so they should be pretty, pretty tight, very acceptable. Yeah. It's something to say, too, that, that that kind of speaks to the quality of your gunsmith also. If you have a gunsmith-installed brake, we've had several come in here that actually have muzzle threads that were put onto the barrel crooked. So in other words, they did not dial the barrel in to make the barrel perfectly straight before they turned the threads onto it. And crooked threads means crooked brake means bullet impacts because the muzzle brake is not in line with the muzzle bore, with the barrel bore. And you can't have strikes and impacts that way too. So if it doesn't look right, if your eyeballs look at the side of your barrel there and something looks crooked or off, it's probably because it is. Yeah, I wouldn't shoot it. Yeah. And when we make our brakes, we make them tight with the intention that if a gunsmith's a little lazier, they're slightly out of concentricity. We oversize enough to where there's an acceptable amount of slop, if you will, for a gunsmith yeah. timing a break. Yeah. Um, You're right in that 30 thou, right? That was kind of the reason for the test. You're right at about 30 thou over bullet caliber. Yeah, we run about 30 thou. And then we run our threads a little bit on the tighter side mm -hmm. so that, I mean, they gauge good, but we run them on probably a plus two minus nothing as opposed to a... I think a standard would be plus five minus nothing on the thread clearance mm -hmm. to ensure that uh, a little bit of slop on the threads isn't going to cut out uh, some of that 15 thou edge clearance when your bullet goes through. From okay. The, from the layman side, I've had a lot of breaks in my hand. I don't know shit about machining, but your stuff is fantastic. And when I was shopping around looking to get a TI break made, I had a few people give me their samples, and your your craftsmanship is outstanding. Machining finish, is that right? What would you what would you refer to your surface finish? Just the surface know. finish, I guess. Yeah, the, surface. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a really good surface finish, and again, they do go into that polishing process. So if you're not going to coat it or blast it, uh, it already has a fantastic surface finish. It basically, you know, I would call it doesn't. It's not chrome, but you know, it looks kind of like chrome. 
We also offer garnet blasts. So on top of having, so we have a, an in-house Cerakote shop. So we can Cerakote the brake. Uh, we have black options, and I believe it's H146 graphite black, but we have black options in stock for all self-timers. But if you want it garnet blasted, we'll go in, and garnet is just a fancy term for sand. But we sandblast the brake and then soak it in oil so that it gets a nice satin gray, like a darker gray finish. It actually goes perfect on a Christensen Ridgeline. If you're going to, if you have a Christensen Ridgeline and you want to put a side port brake and you don't have the FFT, you want to get that radial shit out of there, order the Pro 5 ST 5H 24 threads. Make sure it's the right caliber for your rifle and get it in garnet blasted and it looks fantastic. Looks like it was supposed to be there in the first place. Yeah, no, it, it does look good. And it's not a it's not a coating like Cerakote. It, it's just a, essentially a surface treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they can still scratch and whatnot. It's you know not going to hold up like Cerakote, but it it does look good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, since I got a little square table discussion going on here, I got another question. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. I get this all the time too. Pro five, Pro four. We'll say the the 860, right? 860 diameter Pro four. Against the nine, the nine ninety nine ninety Pro Five, how much in a percentage recoil reduction are you getting to jump from jumping from the four to the five? Well, let's put it on Ryan's favorite caliber. We're gonna go six five cartridge, six five Creedmoor. Never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> let's go six five. You PRC. don't even need a break on a Creedmoor. It doesn't kick. Okay, yeah. <laughs> for Ryan's sake, six five PRC. There we go. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> Um, it's definitely noticeable. I have the type, I had the, I had the type row two, not type row two. I had the type row four, four port on my, uh, comp gun six, five PRC and, uh, switched to the type row three, switched to the five Those port pesky new names. type row five, type row five. He's been making these breaks for so long now with the, let's It's go. ingrained. It's just ingrained in my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. So, so I went from the Type Pro 4 to the Type Pro 5, and it's it's a definitely a noticeable difference really? on the 6.5 PRC. So you're jumping from five ports and what? You're jumping 130 thousandths in diameter to four ports. Which goes back to that volume thing. Yep. Basically, the more volume the more volume of air those ports move. Yeah, you know? so there's, there's more bore exposure because it's a larger diameter. Or uh, exposure. Yeah. So the difference fancy, between fancy the two word. is spotting your own shot or not, you think? Spotting your own shot, I'd say 400 yards versus 500 yards. Okay. Do you have something to add to that? And it's not even the extra port. It's the the volume of the port versus, you know, an 860 and a 90. The port itself grows. So the gas is vented better as well. Not yeah. even just the so port, port size between a four and a five. The five ports, even though there are five whole ports there, they're actually bigger too. They so are, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're they're going to catch more gases inherently. And we're going to get this question, so we might as well ask it. If you're going with the the Pro Two with the pl- the plus porting versus the Pro Three, how much reduction or which one is going to be better? Depends on the diameter. Yeah, it's going to depend. You know, everything right. revolves around the amount of gas moving down the barrel, too. You know, shooting a 33XE versus a 6.5 PRC, the, that's, that's triple the volume yeah. of, of gas moving down the barrel. So definitely volume of gas, which would mean cartridge. Um, yeah, I think they have kind of a different look to me. I, I think I feel like the Pro 3, 4, and, well, 3, 4, 5, and 6 have a kind of a classic look. 
Mm-hmm. The the ports that we call the Pro Plus on the Pro One and Pro Two are more aggressive. They're more of they're, a V shape. They're a V shape. They look larger. They're sharper inside. They look kind of, you know, like a shark's mouth versus a bass's a bass mouth. You know, I don't know something. It's a, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say. I'm trying to help the guys that are listening, but it's I, a, te- you, a technical term. Yeah, there you go. The, I mean, the Pro looks classic to me. It's a it's a it's it's very elegant. The shape is you know, there's nothing extra. It's very smooth. All the lines are clean. It's just it looks great on a rifle. And then you you compare that to the Pro Plus port, and there's you know it's aggressive. It looks yeah. aggressive. It's gonna it look nasty. It's gonna look mean on a short barreled 6.5 PRC. If I if I were in fact, well I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put an Ultra Five on it because somebody told me I have to try a suppressor out. But if I'm gonna build a 6.5 Salmon Proved, and I would put the Pro Two on it, I think it would look great on a short carbon barrel. Mm-hmm. And and I think that'd be more than enough recoil control for for that rifle. So yeah, yeah, that Pro Two looks fucking mean. It does, it does, and that's in a self timer or or a standard, you know, gunsmith installed version. Yeah, well, so to answer your question, I'd say, let's take six five PRC again. You put the nine ninety diameter Pro Two, Pro Two, and the Pro Three on it. You're not going to notice much of a difference. Yeah, weight wise. Uh, and lengthwise, yeah, the Pro 2 is going to weigh a little bit more because you can't remove as much material with mm-hmm. that porting design. Yeah. Uh, and lengthwise, the Pro 2 will be pretty close to the same length as the, the Pro 3. Mm-hmm. So similar recoil control, but a different look. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Anything we missed? Yeah, I was just watching, uh, you know, what's the date today? Because I did a little post, so it's it's... That we're recording here on March the seventeenth. I should know that because that's Jessica's birthday. But um, <laughs> she gonna she gonna Oof. get me for that, right? Uh, so we're recording on March the seventeenth. But yesterday, I, I found a. It, I've probably seen it before, but it's the first time it clicked for me. Muzzle Breaks and More did a brake test video. Basically, they set up a sled, and he's got a barreled action that's mounted to the sled with a counterweight, and he goes through a series of brakes. Fires the I think it's a 300 wind mag in the video, but he fires each one. And what's happening is is the further the rifle goes back on the sled, the more recoil is hitting your shoulder. And he goes through this test with with I think about 10 different brakes. And the Pro 5 ST is the second brake that's tested. And what was impressive to me is that amongst all of these kind of big name brakes including steel and huge brakes and everything in between. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Pro 5 did phenomenal. I mean, it's not only next to, there's only one brake that does better, and that happens to be the guy who did the video. Um, but the weight difference between the number one brake, which is the Beast 5-port titanium, and our 5-port titanium, I mean, it looks like it weighs twice as much. But our brake basically did just as good as it did. And then you look towards the right of it, and there's a there's slab brakes, there's uh, terminators, terminators, APA brakes, which is the fat I think a fat bastard. There's some four one nine brakes in there. I mean, all the names that you guys you're listening to this podcast now, and you know some of those brake names, you know, and they're big. They have the opportunity to be as big and as heavy as they want. And here, this little measly two ounce brake just destroyed all the other brakes. And then it's nice because he does he he pulls the trigger without a brake on it, so you see. If you're out there, if you're the guy out there with no muzzle threads, watch the video. You're going to see what the rifle does with no brake at all, and then you get to compare all the other brakes for the amount of recoil control that they offer. And in my opinion, the Pro Brake is the most recoil control per ounce 
that's available oh, on the market today. I mean, that two ounces, you, I have a Pro 5 on my 33XC, and my 13-year-old boy can shoot it. And that's pretty impressive to me. It's an ounce for ounce world champion. Yes. Oh, yeah. I yes. like when you do go, if you guys watch the video, watch till the end when he has no break and see how much actual recoil that <laughs> yeah. thing has. I, mean, I it, think it's a 300 pierce. It bottoms the fucking sled out. Oh, all, and it's quick. Just yeah. bam. Mm-hmm. I just thought about something else. So, you know, there are a lot of custom rifle builders out there in the world. And with CNCs coming into our business more and more with these prefits and things like this, you know, if you have a custom rifle builder, you know, he may be a one-man show, and he's putting this rifle together for you. Allow him the opportunity to get discounts to make a little more money on your rifle. We offer dealer and builder discounts. Let him make some money on that. Don't buy it yourself and bring it to him. If you're – let the builder get the parts for you because there's not a lot of margin in the machining side of building the rifle. Um, let them buy your parts. They may have preferred vendors already, but we do have good discounts. Have them reach out. They can buy one break with a discount. We don't even have a minimum requirement. I mean, you can, we actually just put out a 20% code. So if you're listening to this, it may still work. But if it's your first break, it only works one time for one break on your account you set up on unknownmunitions.com. You get 20% off. The code is ProBreak20. So if you want to try one, use that code, get a break, give it a go. But if you're having a builder build your rifle, let them, let them make that little bit of extra money and uh, tell them you want a pro break. Because it's the best. Unless you're Matthew Whaley, then he wants you to bring all this shit to you. <laughs> to him. Matt, yeah. Matt Whaley, Whaley Precision Rifles. He uh, he doesn't like dealing with the process of ordering parts so much. He likes guys to buy all the parts and bring them in a, in a likes, box. And yeah. just so he can complain that the parts don't go together very well because they were ordered incorrectly. And yeah. that's the only way Matt likes it. He likes to complain about shit. He likes it when he gets an M5 uh, bottom metal and yeah. a BDL stock. Yeah. That being said, too, so we offer, we offer, we can open up your short or long BDL inlet on your stock to an M5. It's all set up on a CNC, so you guys can send that in. I think it's 100 bucks. We can do that for you, too. Anyways, I hope you guys learned something about muzzle brakes today. I know I just learned a couple things. So uh, any questions at all? So to set up a dealer account or for dealer or builder sales, it's sales at unknownmunitions.com. Follow up with something that proves that you build rifles or that you have a retail store or website of some kind, and we will get you the price sheet and set you up with a code that basically enables you to order all of your parts straight from the website. Super easy to do. Uh, Salmon River Solutions carries all their brakes on their website. Rockslide carries these brakes on their website. We have a couple dealers so far. Uh, JA Shooting Outdoors is one. J&A Outdoors. J- J&A Outdoors. What did I say? J-A, J-A Shooting, Shooting Outdoors. Yeah. J and A shooting. J and A outdoors. There you go. Here in North Idaho. Wes is a good dude. He's carrying the brakes now. Uh, we do have a couple others. Who else? Okay. So he's people in Florida. They carry our brakes. I can't think of the name of it. Down we in. have a new dealer locator going up on <laughs> unknownmunitions.com precisely so we don't have to remember all oh, the dealers. And on, on the mark. And you Canadians that keep on hitting us up. We need a distributor in Canada. Yes. So email, what was it at unknown? Sales at unknownmunitions.com. If you want to get these breaks into Canada, we need somebody to step up and basically put in a bulk buy for an exporter to handle. Uh, exporting fees can be substantial. So if you want to get some quality parts up in Canada, uh, we've had a couple guys reach out from Australia. Uh, I think a guy from Africa. Nobody's really pulled the trigger on this, but uh, if you're that guy and you want to be the exclusive distributor in the country of your choice, 
Canada. There is not an exclusive distributor in Canada yet. No, Be the no. first. And I get an email or I have to cancel an order every week and they're mad. So there is there is business there. They just yeah. need somebody oh, to yeah. grab that bull by the horns and get a big order going and let's send it to Canada. Yes. Try out a pro break. Pro break 20 on the website. Hey, we missed anything? Anything you guys wanted to cover? Zach? Mm, no, I think that's about it. Yeah, I think we got it all. People are educated now. All right. If you disagree with us or you agree with us, get a hold of us at podcast at shoot the hunt.com and go to our Instagram at shoot the hunt. Thanks for listening.